Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 523 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. I almost called us both Adam in my head, just so you know. We can't true. talk about Adam directly before we record. That is true. All good things, though. All good things, though. Right. Well, you, positive you, things, positive things in Adam's life. Things right. changing, things getting better. Still doesn't have his dishes back. I, well, I thought he did, but he almost he was almost your co-host because the Yankees are playing tonight. And I didn't know if I'd be here. So I was the Yankees just like, are playing what? What do they play? Do they the play like they're, or something? They're playing uh, the famous Rays, pizza guys, I guess. The Tampa Pan Tampa Bay famous Rays. I don't know. Oh, that'd be fantastic if <laughs> we get to a point where like all the sports teams are named after like popular franchises and they change every year. Like they keep uh-huh. the same uniform, they just put a new patch on. Like the San Diego Taco Bells. So, so listen to more of Adam's uh, adventures with me on At Odds with Wrestling and, of course, with Todd on Porch Talk. That's not the official soon-to-be-named network plug, but we're getting it in here when we can, you know? That's right. So, hey, on our comic book show today, we have a little bit of comic book news, um, some digital news, mostly like TV and streaming news. I have a feeling that I heard on another podcast that you could read a recap of twice a week on our on our website <laughs> that streaming may be the wave of the future and the news segment this week kind of bores that out oh there you go uh and also it pays to subscribe to your favorite comic book creators newsletter mm-hmm. more on that at the end of the news segment uh a sad note regarding convention news this weekend, digital books and sales, uh, what we read this past week, which I would assume includes Department of Truth, number one, and Batman Three Jokers, number two. Yes. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, a check-in with Todd to see how he's doing on his big skin pickums. Ooh. And a discussion of the penultimate episode of this season of Amazon Prime's The Boys. Mm-hmm. All right. So there was a rumor that started over the weekend in regards to the UK offices of Diamond Comics might have had a kerfuffle, if you will. <laughs> and apparently their main uh, warehouse was broken into over the weekend. Ooh. Um, now they don't know what was taken. Uh, it's mostly just a lot of damage was done. <laughs> um, however, them working with the authorities and forensic teams right. in regards to the me- as they quote in the press release, the mess and station that the thieves left behind. Uh, it put them two days behind their normal schedule. Obviously, they couldn't go about their normal business. While the police were there. Because mm-hmm. heaven forbid the police get an early peek at Batman 100. <laughs> oh no. Spoilers, Joe. They'll ruin everything. Spoilers. It felt like the entire book was online Monday. But that's neither here nor there. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, wh- what did those thieves think they were robbing? 
Or did they know they were robbing Diamond Warehouse UK and were like, man, we're going to get so many Bowen statues? I don't know. Maybe they were thinking of getting like all the the like one in one hundred variants and stuff. There was maybe it was like speculators, Mission Impossible style. You know, that's what I that's what I want to know. That's why I included this. Was this dumb luck or was this the smartest luck of them all? Oh, a bunch of PGX fanatics! Like now's our chance. It's unguarded. Now, see, that's the only problem is because I I think of robbery, which I've never done. Mm-hmm. As a supermarket sweep sort of situation, right? Right. You need to case the joint, and obviously you need to get the thing that's going to, the thing or things that'll yield the highest return, but take up the least amount of space. And what you say is correct by grabbing those one in 100, one in whatever variants, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously those are going to be easier to track than marked $100 bills. Yeah, but like in the underground, I don't know, Joe. You you yeah, you, you you buy low, sell high. You just get them and move them quick, you know what I mean? I and guess, but I just, think people are going to know like so that's the that's the other thing is I just think that the the 1 in 100s is the smart thing to do, but you'd have to sit on them for a very long time. You say, you know, buy, you know, grab them now, sell them now. And hope for a quick return, but I think you're going to get caught no matter what you do. Right. But I think if you're in that desperate of a straight, you're not going to sit on like, I'm trying to think like, you know, the and if you even have better like the one to each retailer variant, that's where the money is. But uh, yeah, I, I can't see them like, oh, you know what? This is the people who smash, grab and take it at UK Diamond Distributors are in the long game, if you will, Joe. They I might be. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. So, maybe. I hope I hope they got some good stuff though out of there, you know, if they were if they did it. I because that's a lot of work. As someone who's perused a recent day diamond previews catalog, mm-hmm. if I'm going after anything, it's any sort of import toy. Oh, those are crazy expensive. It's like, oh, do you want a six inch Annabelle from Animal Crossing toy? I do. Well, we want $85 for that. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Grab up all those bug people figures that crazy British people like. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just I just thought that, again, obviously, I feel bad. You know, theft and, you know, diamond, of course. You don't want to see such a mom and pop business take such a hit. And our friends across the pond having to wait two days for their actual physical books. It's just now I want to do a limited series heist show about people robbing Diamond or uh, DCBS or UCB or whatever they are, warehouses and what they'd take and how they plan it out and so forth. I'm just saying I'm guaranteed this is a crime procedural like episode of whatever one law and order NCIS. I don't know. There's one like a bunch of comic, you know people rob a distributor that that is just that episode writes itself joe Mm -hmm. so So, uh another i guess foul up mix up mess up or something um another book got released too early uh on marvel's website now it looks as though uh digitally they've been putting books out like a day early Mm -hmm. than they should be um, I think a lot of the books, um, I think like, or no, so 
um, 40 books slipped through early. And the earliness was anywhere from two weeks early to a month and a half early. Um, they had a, a couple weeks ago, they put out the entire Iron Man 2020 crossover um, early for them because they have that like six month window. But there were books specifically like the most recent Doctor Doom book, which came out two weeks ago, and a Taskmaster book that's not supposed to be out until the middle of November. And probably push back even further than that because it ties in with the Black Widow movie. Or like, you right. know what I mean? Like pro- cross promotion. I don't know if it ties into the movie, but they're like, oh, he's in the movie. Let's, you know, have this comic out. So that screws everything up there. Yeah. So this is obviously a mistake because they pull it down uh, very quickly. And it's not like it's for sale. It's just showing up in people's Marvel Unlimited thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So somebody's making a mistake. Someone needs to lose their job and I need to have that job. That's right. We've discussed this, that you'll be, you know, the right person for that job. But is if you get that book, do they take it back off you? Is it out of your library then? Or Well, do you I know what think I'm saying? Marvel Unlimited, you're not adding books to your library. Ah, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. It, it's just like, here's the books that you can read. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that it works, I don't have it. Maybe one of our listeners that does. I think like you could click the book. And it's, like, in your queue to read. Right. And then once you're done reading the book, like, you get to the end, it's out of your queue. And then you can add something else to read in your queue. Like, you can't be reading, like, ah. two, three, four books at the same time in the Marvel Unlimited. See, I was thinking of it as, like, comiXology. Like, because I never really use any of these. I get all confused on how, the like, you know, their interfaces work. Right. So that's a good point. I do know how the comiXology interface works like when you have the digital code that you get in the physical books. And again, sometimes I'll partake in a sale when those come up. And when I log into my account, at least on the Marvel side, because of course there's, there's the Marvel side of your comiXology that just has your Marvel books. There's the DC side that just has your DC books. And then there's the regular comiXology that has everything else. Like it'd be Mm -hmm. great if everything was in one spot. It's not, but it is right. Right. So when you go to the Marvel side, like, and you go into your library, right across the bottom, there's two bars, recently added and in process. So it kind of, like, saves your space across, like, several different books. Okay. But I think with Unlimited, like, let's say you pull that Taskmaster book into your queue and, like, you read half of it and, like, I got to go do something else. You come back, it's still there. But I wonder if you do that, you come back halfway through the book and in that halfway between the book is when they realize that they made a mistake. And now, like, is it stuck? Do they pull it halfway out? Like, that's good. that's interesting to see how that would have played out. I have a feeling they have, they have like, godlike powers. It's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's Marvel Unlimited. They control, like, like you said, the way it works. It's not like you bought the book and it's physically yours now. It's like, oh, this is part of the library, but we did it too early. So, bye-bye. Right, and that's the other thing, of course, like, and, you know, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that DC is going to change their uh, current streaming service over to, like, a strictly comic book thing, much like Marvel's Unlimited, and then Comixology has their own separate Unlimited thing, and, like, Archie has their stuff in there as, like, day and date on the Comixology side, and I know there's a lot of other manga, um, manga, anime, subscription services that have day and date manga as part of the unlimited subscription. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, is and I say it's obviously a mistake today, but one would think that at some point in the near future, Mar- someone at Disney, someone at Marvel is going to figure out that right price point to put that subscription service at that included in the subscription service is also day and date stuff. Right. Hopefully. We shall see. Would that be the thing that gets me to go fully digital? I don't I, I don't think so. It wouldn't get me to go fully digital. I'm you know, when they stop making comics, that's when I'll quit. Yeah. And it might be about six months after that. We'll see. Right. So speaking of uh Disney and Marvel and streaming services, uh just this past weekend uh was reported through uh Deadline Hollywood that Disney Plus has started casting for their Ms. Marvel show. Uh, Iman Vellani has been cast as Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. And I'll say Ms. Marvel, not the most uh, book or book um, series I forgot that uh, Disney Plus was doing. Um, I may have it may have slipped my mind. I knew it was in there somewhere. I thought it kind of just got put on ice because I remember it was supposed to be not Disney Plus, but they were supposed to be doing something in conjunction with the Inhumans TV show, which Mm -hmm. I do want to point out to the uh, gentleman in the comments section of last week's show who reminded us that the Inhumans was the last bad comic book related TV show. And he is right. Yep. Uh, but I thought there was going to be a, I, I knew there was like a Miss Marvel show that was going to be like around that or in conjunction with that or something like that. But looking at the list of stuff that was coming out, I completely forgot that they were doing a what if show, like a right. what if animated show. Yep. That, that I remembered, but like the, the Ms. Marvel fell into that. Like now we're getting the, she, like last week or week before we got the She-Hulk, uh, where they, they filled that role. And it's like, cause there was four of them all together. It was the She-Hulk. Uh, the Ms. Marvel, and I think there was like two more. Like, didn't they say like a Moon Knight show and something else? Right. So it's like, yeah, like now we're at the point where it's coming like fast, and I can't keep up, and like it's almost going to be too much because uh, with all this stuff, like, and even I think as we speak now, like Swamp Thing was on CW tonight, so like there's just tons and tons of stuff out there that it's going to be like you know tough to to handle it all when i was younger i would have i would have loved all this but now that i'm you know in my let's say early 40s to mid 40s to possibly late 40s it's all it's all over overwhelming joe well it's not it's it's overwhelming to keep up with like if you're one of those people that really need to know of like all the filming changes and shooting locations and casting whatever's right then that gets to be daunting when you're talking about six to seven new shows in development a year right but that's not kind of like now the like if you if you just stay with one because obviously they're not gonna have all these marvel shows on at the same time they're gonna have like let's just say uh vision and and scarlet witch and then maybe a week between that we'll go into the winter soldier and or uh, falcon and you know captain america all that stuff but it when it crossed into like oh you have sandman on netflix at this and then like dc's gonna do you know the the peacemaker tv show and just that's more what i mean is that like we're in a golden age of comics being put on the screen both large and small that that's what it's like when i was younger i would have like salivated to have so much but now it's 
I have to pick and choose what I want. You know, like the boys is on right now. And I, I, you, you get what I'm saying now, Joe? I do. So right. I, I guess, so yes. Yeah, so it is a lot to keep up with, of course. And we've made these decisions in the past. I'm like, okay, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we're not going to talk about on the show. Maybe you're still watching it. Walking Dead we're not going to talk about on the show. You're definitely still watching that. But those decisions can come and go. If it's something that I feel strongly enough about, mm-hmm. I'm going to make the time to watch it. Right. And, you know, I have limited, I have more, I was going to say, I have more less time than you, Todd. Because <laughs> I don't do know have... how the English language works. <laughs> right. But I can see myself making time to make sure that I see uh, WandaVision, right? Right. And that's really all I can, like, make time for in my head currently, because that's the thing that I've seen a trailer, or I know a trailer exists for. I haven't seen the trailer for yet, right? Right. And, like, Mandalorian is right at the end of October here, so I got to make time for that because I'm already in on season one. But if one of these things happen where, let's say, low-key is put out the same weekend as the Neil Gaiman Sandman show on Netflix and I gotta make that choice I'm making the choice of Sandman and it'll be one of those things where like I'll either get to low key eventually or never right right where I mean I could probably I don't know if you know this probably find the time for all of it right so that's not gonna be a problem but like I said I do think there's gonna come a point where it's going to be overloaded on top of overloaded on top of overloaded. You know what I mean? So, and I just have to decide what I think, but in a weird way, I might do Loki first over Sandman and wait for word of mouth. If that makes Ah. any sense. I mean, not that I have a feeling I would run right towards Sandman, but if like the two came out, I'd be like, Oh man, I have a feeling they're going to mess up Sandman. So and I'm like ter- terrified of that, but uh, like Loki will just feel like all the Marvel properties, you know. So mm-hmm. now, but one I- thing that I know you'll make time for is is whatever on uh, Netflix is going to be doing with the Conan the Barbarian property. Yes, I will. I'll find time. So in the same Deadline Hollywood magazine website article, whatever, um, that they're certainly going to be doing a live action series. But based on the agreement, uh, they have the exclusive option to access rights to convert anything from the Conan literary library into a uh, live action or animated TV show or film. Right. Starting off with a live action TV show, let's see where things go from there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which that whole literary part, like it confuses me because I'm not a lawyer because I know comics can fall under the literary line. Um, so I'm hoping like obviously I, you know, you have all the Conan novels and stuff that, that, that they could work from. But I'd really like to see like some of that Kurt Busiek stuff that we did on the show in the, in the COVID hiatus where we had to discuss things because there's no new books. Like see if they do that or some of the other COVID, uh, COVID Conan comics. Um, that I that I enjoyed and stuff like that. I like to see Busick get a paycheck, but it's interesting what they'll use and if the co- uh, the comics and then Marvel, like any of that stuff, falls under it. Like all legal ambiguous to me, if you know what I mean. I'll watch it. Right. And last but not least, speaking of new streaming things, etc., that are right up Todd's alley, I had to talk Todd off the ledge because he was going to fly to Barcelona, Spain next weekend so that he could be one of the first people to see the new Alan Moore starring and written movie 
called The Show, but I said, no, no, we could just wait a week when it's available online for streaming purposes. And then I'm going to mention to him on the show that maybe we should watch it to review on the show. Oh, okay, because I was thinking... I was sad that you no longer have access to a corporate jet. So that's pretty much the only thing that stopped me. That and the fact that I could watch it from my own home eventually in a very short time. But otherwise, well, corporate Spain, jet I never had. I always had the helicopter. Oh, and helicopters have a tough time getting over oceans. So, okay, yeah. But maybe so I'm not going to read a plot synopsis of what an Alan Moore written and starring movie is about. Right. But just from some of the production stills, it appears to be an adaptation of the Mac Tonight commercials from McDonald's from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Alan Moore play the moon, that bit Moon Knight? Well, don't you remember the Mac Tonight commercials where it was a giant moon-headed man mm-hmm. who was singing, like, old standards, convincing you that McDonald's was a good place to go to eat at night? Yes, and it is. That's having a nice meal before you lay your head down on the pillow. McDonald's is that answer. <laughs> that McDonald's is the answer at two o'clock in the morning when nothing else was open. That's right. When you're when you're dr- when you're riding home drunk, have your driver stop at the drive-through and get some moon singing food. Yes. So we have some. We do have some time in between. Uh, the boys finishing up next week and Mandalorian starting up at the end of the month. So maybe we'll squeeze the show in. Right. Because I want to hear your take on a uh, Alan Moore movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, like, I don't know, in there I'll probably be watching, what is it, a Hellstrom is probably on Hulu at some point in there. So we'll see. We've got at least two things to choose from. Yes, we're, you know, we're blessed, Joe, with many choices. So last bit of business uh, that I would have to mention, this was tipped off to us by a friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, uh, definitely not involved in the heist that I'm planning to <laughs> take art from his home. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-Bull, what's his Twitter handle? 712. 712. Yep. Right. Uh, So in the Jeff Lemire newsletter, and I said this at the top of the show, and I'll say this again. Whoever your favorite writer, artist, creator, whoever it is, go check out their Twitter. Go check out their whatever website. They probably have some sort of mail kahimp newsletter that you could sign up for. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to get, like, the latest and greatest news from your favorite people before it hits the dirt sheets. kind And kind of unfiltered. And this is even stuff that doesn't hit the dirt sheets. Right. So Jeff Lemire was announcing a lot of the stuff that he has coming out. And a lot of, and listen, a lot of it is just that. It's like, hey, my new book is in stores this weekend. Check it out. But then you might also get like, hey, I'm announcing to you, the loyal people to read my email, that uh, my new project is going to start this day. And like, you're the first ones to see any of the preview stuff from it, right? So Mm -hmm. bear that in mind. Jeff Lemire has like a little Q&A thing uh, with his newsletter folks. And one of the people asked... Uh, Inferior 5 was cut from 12 issues to 6 and now seems to have been cut altogether. Will we ever see the last two issues? To which Jeff replies, I wish I had better news on the series. The truth is there were some personal issues with some members of the creative team and things sort of stalled on the book. Sometimes real life gets in the way of making comics. The fifth issue is done and I know Keith is drawing number 6 now. So fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. 
So where I raise a question in this, one, yay, it, it's going to get done. Like, issue five is done. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, there were some personal issues with members of the creative team. Joe, aren't there only two people on the creative team? I'm just, I don't <laughs> That's know. That's my I'm question. I'm trying to do some de- some legit detective work here. So if it wasn't Jeff Lemire, then who could? It must be the letterer. I don't know. Could it have been the assistant editor was giving them a problem? The colorist, maybe? Could be. Was Dan Didio a part of it? Was he having personal problems? He was the editor-in-chief. At the time, when this book started, a lot has changed. I don't know. I can't think of anyone else who may be problematic and difficult to work with. Or maybe even salty. So I guess that's positive, good information. See, I told you it would happen, Joe, and you doubted me. I am subscribed to J.J. Abrams' kids' newsletter, (laughs) which is actually just his TikTok. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the information to come out about why that book's not getting done. Uh, that's going to get finished by the end of 2020, Joe. That, yes. As you know, as I say, I guarantee it. That's that's happening. I'm on a streak now. I got Inferior 5 under my belt, and I'm going for that J.J. Jr. book, uh, Spider-Man. I think Ray J. Johnson's Spider-Man <laughs> book will be for his. <laughs> You can call me Peter. You can call me Parker. But anyway. So uh, that's all for that comic books. Hey, Todd, was there something going on this weekend that's not now? Yes, Joe, a little show that could uh, New York Comic Con this year. They, you know, it's been canceled due to events that were out of their control, but no New York Comic Con, or I would be live on the scene. As I always say, I would be, you know, uh, Walter con kite man there, but no, it's not going to happen. And it makes me legitimately sad because I've gone to New York Comic Con like now, I don't know how many years in a row. And I always have a blast and, you know, I'm kind of sad about it. But they are doing the virtual deal uh, in conjunction with the MCM properties, uh, I think, starting this Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're doing a bunch of online whatevers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you could do the virtual meet and greets. I think we've talked about that before. Um, You know, they have merchandise that you could buy at, you know, mainly pretty ridiculous prices. What? Uh, but, you know, they got a decent list of guests here. Um, you know, like I said, purchase the meet and greets, purchase the personalized videos. I wonder how the autographs work. Do they just, like, send you an autograph in the mail I, or something? That's what I heard that they're going to do. Like, you choose, like, there's, like, maybe a couple options, depending, you know, like, headshots or something from the show or movie that they're in. And then they just sign it and maybe a little, like... You know, personal message. I don't know on that, and then you know, whatever the whatever the PayPal address was, there it goes. So uh, Jody Whitaker is going to be there. Mm-hmm. John Goodman, Keanu Reeves, uh, Kevin Conroy, Michael Rosenbaum, Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. I'm just looking at the list of people. Right. They have it they have it sadly in like 
I don't know what sort of alphabetical order this is, but it's not an acceptable <laughs> alphabetical order for me. Right. Um, it's like, here's everyone that's important, and then here's everyone else in alphabetical order by their first name. Yeah, I will say this regardless of even when the show happens. The way they promote their guests is god-awful. Like, sometimes, like, you'd have to, like, go to the app or the book whatever they have, they would have the, the handbook that you get there. It would be like, all right, so here's all the people in Artist Alley. All right, well, you know, this guest who's a big name artist, artist or writer, you want to get something signed or try to get a, a sketch from, it's like they're at, they're not at the Artist Alley booth. They're at one of the big two booths or they're at a booth that, uh, that they're friends with or something like that. And you have to look like page by page and line by line to figure out where some people are. And that hasn't changed with the digital one. It's, it's chaos sometimes. And again, I, I don't know if they're doing a good job of the announcements either, because I'm looking at their list and I saw like, um, so like Jim Starlin is on there as a featured guest, right? Right. But there's no thing to click to like see the things that he's doing. Right. Unless he'll be at one of the Marvel universe thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm talking about. He'll yeah. be at one of those things that they'll announce, but they forget to put Jim Starlin's name or you have to go click and read every inch of each meeting or whatever you want to call it, each panel. And right. see so like, there. so like, that's the thing, like Kevin Smith is here and you click on Kevin Smith. It's like, here's where Kevin Smith is going to be. You know, the three things that we have Kevin Smith doing, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them is uh, Kevin Smith versus Chris Jericho movie trivia. Ooh. No comment. But, uh, yeah. And a lot of that, to me, I think comes down to is they have Jim Starlin. And it's like, where will they, like, they don't know where they're going to put him yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we have access to this name. We don't want to lose it. Well, what do we have open? Like, put him on, you know, this panel or whatever. So it's like musical chairs. But the only thing that I do hope that comes out of all this is maybe we'll finally have some comic book news because I have a feeling like DC and Marvel and some of the smaller publishers will try to use the, 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 the spotlight of the virtual show to try and get to promote some of the new stuff that's coming up. Cause usually by now we would have had, we always joke about the news before the con. I think they're saving it now to like maybe have a couple, con, right, yes. have a couple of announcements. And the only other thing that scares me is, and I tweeted about this earlier this week was uh, that a lot of the art dealers are going to do art drops to, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the show. Pray for me, Joe. Because God only knows what I'll find and then just throw a boatload of money at. So I'm terrified of that. But as art fans, it makes it a little easier to like you you can't get to the shows where they have a lot of new material to like to purchase. And the only way to get it would have been to go to the New York Comic Con. Well, now they're putting them up on their websites. It's like, hey, you know, 20,000 fans at once can try for this one piece and hopefully you'll get it. So we'll see. There is actually a piece, and it's not official New York Comic Con related stuff. Right. But it's people that were going to do stuff at New York Comic Con mm -hmm. that are releasing an exclusive cover to an exclusive comic book that they gave away to higher end Patreon people. Okay. 
and it's uh for the uh the wrestling toy podcast I listen to. Right, right. And and they have a stellar track record of giving away and offering early release codes to their exclusive items in that they sell out extremely quickly and more times than not crash their websites that even the people who are on the show can't get their own exclusives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what my Friday morning is going to be. Oh, good. I hope I, I wish you success, Joe. I wish me success, too. Uh, so all the stuff for that, of course, if you're interested in any of the people that are going to be doing the New York Comic Con virtual deal this weekend, the link for that will be in the show notes, along with uh, links to a variety of other things. Friends of ours uh, that do non-podcasty stuff, of course, maybe podcast stuff in their own right as well, stuff to keep track of everyone's podcast. But of course, um, if you want comic books, and I know you do if you're listening to the show, and there's no one reliable in your area... Uh, there is someone reliable in our area that will send comics to your area, and that's our comic book shop, Comics on the Green. The link to their Facebook page, where they do a lot of their social mediaing, media-ing is, and of course, every time the poll post goes up, there's a link there to their main website. Uh, I did actually see people tweeting at the shop today that uh, Dave and the crew fulfill their mail order like twice a month all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And package it very well. So you don't you don't need the postman code, but still use it. Do not yes. bend because it's going to come in like you know, like for for a nuclear war. It's going to be okay. And our friend Becky sometimes will do some sort of fancy art or doodle or something on the package, and you could see a lot of the stuff that she's done, commissioned and otherwise, over on her Instagram, which is also linked in the show notes. A uh, friend of the show, Chris Runt, recently had his Kickstarter comic over on Comixology, and you can get the first issue of that with a link here. And, uh, of course, I would be remiss to mention the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go live, they appear over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, at odds with wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Final Wrestling Place, Wednesday Night War, and of course, Porch Talk. Now, as folks from other shows appear on other things and they remind me about those things, uh, apparently DJ and Brett from Wednesday Night War are going to be appearing on some sort of horror movie podcasts, plural, over the next several weeks. And as long as they remind me, they'll make sure that they go up there. And within the next two weeks, I will be appearing on one of my favorite podcasts, Between the Sheets, uh, about wrestling, that like that week in wrestling history. And I'll be 25 years ago, the week of October 28th, where some stuff happened, and I was there live. <laughs> and it's one, of the, it's one of the more memorable experiences for me, attending a live professional wrestling event. And I, I'm going to be very happy to get a chance to share that story uh, with a... Uh, a, a an attention-starved listening audience. Mm, Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, uh, I've mentioned it once or twice. I think I I have one foot in this story, Joe. All right, so, uh, like I said, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Also over in the show notes is the sales that are available, and I also want to say this. So, Comixology has actually fixed their website. (laughs) In that, when you go to the website and you look at the sales, in the past, 
it would just list the sales, okay? And to get into each individual sale, you didn't click on the name of the sale or the banner for the sale. You had to click at the bottom of the sale of each individual block where it said view all. Now, if you were on the Comixology email list and you get the email list of the sales, you can get those links that way. This week, they actually fixed it and it's actually working the way that it's supposed to and has supposed to have been worked. This was definitely a pandemic issue that they finally ironed out the kinks to. Mm-hmm. Now, if everything can get their dedicated banners back, I'll be much more happy. But I will take what I can get. Uh, on sale uh, this week, notable sales, of course. Uh, Marvel is having a sale on Champions-related stuff, both old and new. Uh, amazing Spider-Man stuff, specifically new, uh, as we are reaching like a double milestone with Amazing Spider-Man this week, as it's like the 850th issue, but it's also the 50th issue of the Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley run on the book, which I don't think Ryan Otley has done all the issues on, be that as it may. Those are all on sale. Uh, DC is having a sale around Scott Snyder-related things. There's a lot of good stuff to find in there. Uh, Both Dynamite and Comixology have decided to hold the sale on the boys-related things over for another month. Uh, Even though you go to the website and it says the sale ended on September 17th, when you click on the individual books, it says the sale ends on the 15th of October. So I don't know. Be careful. They might end up being like a perennial, like forever sale sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Image is having a sale on Top Cow related things. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on horror movie or not horror movie, but horror comic related things. I'm sure we'll start seeing more horror comic stuff come up on sale here. Uh, as we get closer to Halloween, but I saved the best for last, Todd, as Marvel is having a sale on all Clone Saga-related things, Todd. The Clone Saga. One of these days, 2021, we're going to bring back Todd and Joe have issues, and we're going to read the Clone Saga. Only if we can do the fast-aging ninja kids. Oh, we'll, we'll discuss, we'll discuss. Be that as it may, and then from there, Joe. That's right. One, two, three, got him. Oh, no, we didn't. Um, so, like I said, the links to all those will be in the show notes, of course, as uh, well as a variety long list of a bunch of free comic books that you can grab as well. Now, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, the Department of Truth, I think, which was the book we were both looking forward to the most, mm-hmm. written by James Tinian the Fourth and art by Dave Simmons. Uh, it's basically starts out with uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, the, you know, shortly after Kennedy's assassination, being interviewed and some interesting things going on there, and we're not sure with the with the question that the interview is interviewer is asking. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff, but then shortly from there, it jumps to present day, where a uh, agent by the name an FBI agent named Cole Turner is being interviewed by somebody else. Uh, about what he has seen. And as we find out, it goes on that he was at a like flat earther uh, uh, seminar or con um, because his job is to study these things of people believing in, you know, uh, in hoaxes and stuff like that. So he goes there and somebody asks him, to come and meet these rich and powerful people. And they take them to see some things that like 
blow his mind and he's not sure of what's happening and what's going on. Um, and then we find out how that relates into him being interviewed towards the beginning of the story. And it's really a book that comes down to uh, belief and the way maybe it affects the world. But I really enjoyed the first issue of this as it sets, you know, the up, the mythology of what can and can happen in this book. And I especially love the the look of it. I love the art in it in that it reminds me of like a weird, maybe mix of Bill Sienkiewicz and maybe Ben Temple Smith, like in what they're doing, the artwork fits perfectly with the story that, that they're telling. And I really like enjoyed the look of the book. It really brought me into the story that they were telling. Um, I really enjoyed this this first issue. So I really enjoyed the first issue as well. And I'm going to give away one part of the story, but not the last page. Right. Okay? Because I think that'll kind of hook some people in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that I love the art, and I'm definitely not going to say that I hated the art. The art fits the book, but the art just took me a little getting used to. Right. Um, you mentioned Bill Sienkiewicz, you mentioned Ben Temple Smith, and I can't remember the artist's name, but on the Bendis Salmon Twitch book, it had a, like that, it's also like that sort of very art style, kind of giving a little bit more of a gritty edge, a little bit more of a, and again, gritty, but also like kind of like hyper-realized as well, right? Right, right. Uh, So if you are a fan, and maybe you are, especially in these times, no matter how troubling or not they may be, uh, of conspiracy theories and the like, I think this would be the perfect book for you. Whereas our lead, Cole Turner, who is, you know, FBI or whatever he is, goes to the Flat Earth thing, gets pulled in by one group, who then gets pulled in by another group because they take him to the edge of the universe. Mm-hmm. And by this other group that operates within the government, the Department of Truth, they have found out that no matter how ridiculous a theory may be, once enough people believe it, it becomes mm-hmm. real. Right. And that's fascinating to me. Right, which I always like joked about, like, what's to bring it around to a comic term, I'm like, what's the Hulk's origin? Hulk is, you know, he was Bruce Banner and he got bombarded by gamma rays during a bomb test. They even made a song about it. Right. (laughs) Is that the reality? Because that's what comic fans believe. But the people who have seen the Marvel Universe, you know, movies and see the TV show, it was a medical experiment. And some people to this day think his name is David Banner. You know what I mean? So what's the reality? Which one's the real reality of the Hulk's origin? The the 100,000 people who read comics or the millions of people who watch the movies and the TV show? Well, more people believe that it's, you know, that. So is that the real reality? And yes, that's the way it works. And I'm not so much if it was the edge of the universe. I I thought it was because they were at a flat earther thing that it was the edge of the earth maybe. Right. The wall, I don't know. It was confusing, but uh, I get what you're saying. Yes, but the, the magic of belief you know, works in this universe. Right. So it seems as though the Department of Truth's job is going to be and is to make sure that things don't get too believed so that all of reality doesn't get completely off the edge, pun intended. 
Right. Because then people will get, you know, rioty and stuff like that. They have a whole reason for everything. Like people will feel they've been fooled. It's, it's a really interesting premise. Yep. Uh, so like I said, if you are a, uh, conspiracy peer, uh, conspiracy theory person, uh, I let my subscription to skeptics monthly lapse. <laughs> so I'm good either way, but I love when conspiracy theories are used as the basis of this sort of fiction, uh, really high recommendation for this book. Definitely check it out. Were you an X-Files fan at all, Joe? No, no. I was just curious. Cause that seems like, as you talk, that would be right up your alley, but I, th- I can't think why X-Files was just out of my purview. Cause you were probably out partying on Friday night while it was on. Cause it was one of those rare shows that hit a demographic of like 14 to, you know, 32, but it was on, on a Friday night. Like people would literally be like, all right, X-Files is over. We can go out and party now. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen with a show like that. So you're probably off with all your friends, you know, hoofing it up and drinking and stuff. Right. Gallivanting across town. Sure. (laughs) Right. So in a book, I guess that is a little less conspiracy theory ish. Uh, would be Batman Three Jokers number two, written by Jeff Johns with art by Jason Fabok. Uh, this is maybe the least amount of Batman in this book, right? And this is a lot more uh, Barbara and Jason Todd stuff. Mm-hmm. So, how do you want to tiptoe around like what happens in this book? Because I liked it. But I think now that we're at part two of a three-issue miniseries, it's very clear um, that there's not three Jokers Mm -hmm. in the way that the book would have us believe. Okay. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I'm not, and I'm not trying to, you know, duck your question. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure how many jokers there are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now see that's a so that's a great point. Um again without getting too spoilery on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh even though it's a book that's a week old and I think it was spoiled be- two days before it even came out. Right. But I guess I feel a little bit more comfortable in them talking about or the book itself attempting to put Jason and Barbara together as a couple. Right. Um, and I'm not 100% sure if that's what they're like, do like it, it, it's a could be, do you right. know what I mean? Because I think it's more a moment of two people who are dealing with, you know, a person who's no matter how many jokers there are destroyed giant chunks of their life. And, you know, there's a, there's a touching moment between them, but I'm hoping that it's more than that. Instead of the cheap romance, it's that in it, like, he sees Barbara's like books on healing and stuff like that. And he actually wants to read them. And it's an interesting take to see Jason Todd want to get help. And I hope that that's the bond between them instead of the emotional bond, because I think it's not cheap is the word I'm going for. Like, it's like, Oh, you want to make two characters interesting, put them in a romantic relationship where I think I would be way more interested in them helping each other out over the trauma that they've endured from the Joker over the years and other, and other things. I think that would be a, a way better story, if you will. 
Right. And that's where the other thing where I'm kind of getting to is, yes. So it definitely was two people with a shared trauma in a moment of weakness, a shared moment, whatever, experiencing this. One could one could hope that that isn't the beginning of a burgeoning relationship between the two. But one could also see somewhere down the line, another writer or writers picking up that thread and running with it. I don't think at the end of issue three, Jason Todd, Barbara Gordon wedding. Right, no. Um, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see the revelation of how what the Joker is trying to do worked mm-hmm. at least twice. Right. That not too spoilery? No, and I think like his next maybe test subject is interesting. Okay. Um, that being said, I like the book. I like the first issue better than the second issue. Uh, this felt uh, art-wise that this was the most Jason Fabok was trying to ape Gary Frank style. Hmm. Okay. There was a couple I... times where there was a couple faces, you know, the part where Barbara and Bruce are talking to each other, Bruce in the Batmobile, Barbara's on the bike, and there's a lot of panels that are just faces. Right. A lot of those faces looked very uh, Gary Frank-esque. Right. I think, and in my opinion, I think he's doing more of a Brian Boland than he is a Gary Frank. Maybe like a mix of the two, you know, like as we said, his heavy influence by the killing joke on this. So, but I get what you're saying. Sure. But I still like it. You know, the, the $7 an issue price point stings a bit. Right, but you'd yeah. get the free promo card. Right, I forgot to ask for the promo card for the first one. I they I was forcibly handed the promo card for the second one. Look at that! See, you were so taken aback that uh, you know that you you didn't ask for the first one. But I forgot. No, I understand. Uh so that's what we read from this past week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, where they get your books in print, whether you get them mailed to your home, whether you're waiting for your favorite unlimited subscription service to accidentally leak the books ahead of time. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I put up the list of books that we're both getting and attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead with one correct guess. And I'm going to look at Todd's list and I'm going to ask. How much new material is in Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular? I honestly think I'm not 100% sure on it, but I think it's all new material. Okay. If that is... Primarily, if I if it's at least seventy five percent new material, I'm going to push my chips in on that's the book that you're looking forward to coming out this week. It is not the book I'm looking forward to. Uh, 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 it, a, a holiday book starring Swamp Thing. It, it, it's it's uh, I get what you're saying, but it's Batman one hundred, the end of the Joker War. Of course, especially after uh, reading that. I don't know. Did you read the Joker War yet? I did. I did that one story about like what may come afterwards and everything like that. I am pumped uh-huh. for this oversized of the Batman 100. For sure. 
So, um, is the book you are looking forward to most Batman 100 also? It is Batman 100 also. Uh, but I will make you talk about Snake Eyes uh, Dead Game 2 next week. Uh, you know what? If you want, I'll read Dead Eyes Snake Eyes. Dead Eyes Snake Eyes. Uh, Snake Dead Eyes Snake Zone or whatever it's called. <laughs> Snake Game Dead Eyes. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll read it if you want to talk about it next week. I do. All right. Can't wait to read a little more. And then I could be a guest star on the Rob's Recaps. I've offered it to you. Right. You want to do the back catalog? Oh, boy. I don't, you know, I know I have the access to put it up on the site. Uh-huh. So. Well, no, you would just send it to me and I would put it up on the site. I know. That's why I was joking. Because there's no way. I would just put it all in the comment section of yours. <laughs> I would just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Save time, Joe. Here, you throw this out for me. Mm-hmm. Pamphlets. So. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together over the past however many years it's been. Let's say seven uh, (laughs) of this iteration of the show, at least. Uh, Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues, which I keep mentioning every week is going to come back for 2021, so legally it has to. you can also check out our store where we have shirts and pins and stickers of our fancy logo that are ready to go shipped directly to you. If you want even more items with more logos and so forth inspired by things that we've discussed either on this show, After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, you can check that out over at our T Public store. Uh, T Public sales schedule for the month of October looks like this. October 14th to 17th, 35% off everything. October 22nd and 23rd, 30% off everything. And October 28th to 31st, 35% off anything. So if you are planning on purchasing something, wait till next week. And then purchase at 35% off all the cell phone covers and notebooks that say fish math on them to (laughs) your heart's content. Right. You could also help us out by subscribing to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get two bonus shows from Todd and I, one covering the films of Mel Brooks, and we're reaching the tail end of that this month. You could also get the Previewing the Past show where Todd and I look at the previews catalog 30 years ago to that month. If you're at the $5 and up level, you get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else, and you get After Dark about three days before everyone else. Mm-hmm. You could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through across the top of the page over at logboxheroes.com. Does not charge you anything extra, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include somebody purchased both the World of Reading Black Panther uh, Level 1 Reader for Kids and the Black Panther Color and Coloring and Activity Book. Two great purchases. Get your kids learning and learning about comics at the same time. Highly recommend it. Somebody also purchased a book entitled Godzilla Unnatural Disasters. And I think it's just like an adaptation of some more recent uh, Godzilla comic books from IDW. Yeah, I don't know this one. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure on this one either. Uh, but hey, I'm guessing it's a comic book. Thank you very much for purchasing it. And it looks like it's also time to restock the break room at uh, Duella Scar's wife's job, as we have a whole litany of things that were purchased. Uh, Snyder's of Hanover's Pretzel Variety Pack, Cheez-It Basic Snack Cheese Cracker Variety Pack, uh, a giant box of Twizzlers, uh, Nimbisco Classic Mix uh, of cookies and so forth. Uh, Belvita Breakfast Biscuit Bites. That one's new on me. Uh, Frito-Lay Fun Time Snack Picks. And one I know was absolutely inspired by discussions on this show. <laughs> and that would be Angie's Boom Chicka Pop Sweet and Salty Kettle Corn Popcorn. That sounds delicious. Yes. Uh, the Boom Chicka Pop brand is actually very good. They have a uh, chocolate popcorn that uh, we get from time to time here for movie night. It's not a constant thing. Right, right. I'm not a chocolate popcorn kind of guy, but, you know, I would try it, though. I mm-hmm. definitely would try it. They have a chocolate, and I think they have a chocolate cinnamon as well. Both of them get high marks from uh, this portly young man. Since I'm around cinnamon all day at the Cinnabon, I'll pass. Touche. Uh, somebody also purchased a Master Lock set-your-own-combination lockbox. And I say, I did not know, I was today years old when I learned that this thing existed where you could just set your own combination on these things. Digital, maybe? I have no idea. I know, you know that when we were in the midst of like buying a house many years ago, and then when we had our house in the market, we had one of these lockbox deals, you know, where it'd be like a lock. Like, it would be like a giant, like, padlock-looking thing that would have a key to our house in it that would be on, like, the front of our house. And the retailer would come by, and they have a key or a combination or whatever it is to get the key out so they can give people a tour of the house, right? Mm -hmm. And I just assumed it would either be a key or, like, a normal padlock where it's, like, it comes in a piece of paper that says this is what the combination is. To be able to set your own combination, what sort of witchcraft is this? (laughs) Right. Well, I'm even blow your mind, Joe. They have a lot now of lock boxes that you could set up to your Wi-Fi in your house that you can open up with like an app on your phone. So like, say, you know, you, uh, you, you were out and about and it's like, oh, you know, Ace has got whatever. He's got his tablet or his Kindle or iPad or whatever. You're like, not until I see that your homework's done, but you're not home. He could show you the homework or tell you that he's got it done. And then you could open up like the lockbox with whatever you're using as that reward to, for it. It's like bizarre, man. Like, I can't even fathom that kind of stuff. I know they have the sort of things where you could like program your like you could turn your lights on and off from your phone you could set the like the th- thermostat from your phone but i don't know man technology's technology passed me by a long time ago now it's officially passed me by right um your co-host on the wrestling show has mm-hmm. a ton of that stuff set up in his house and i'm of the mind that like i i get a lot of that stuff was you know beta tested for people who have like you know uh have you can't get up or can't walk and you want to be able to turn the lights i get all that but like for me it's like oh i'll I'll get up and turn on the switch you know what i mean like to me technology of that sort in my house turning on and off stuff started and stopped with the remote for the tv that's where i like leave it you know 
I don't need all that stuff because it, it overwhelms me once again, you know? But yeah, um, uh, like I think we even like the closest I had was we used to have a coffee maker that you could set a timer for. All right. I kind of get that. So you can have coffee for when you wake up, but like the people that like you can like, who needs who I almost cursed on this. I would have been editing for you for the first time on the show. Oh um, boy. No, I already got that. Go ahead. No, I know. Um, like a refrigerator that you can, you know, has a camera in it. So you can go on your phone and look to see like if you're out of milk or whatever. And I'm like, that's great. As long as you don't have a packed refrigerator where stuff's blocking other stuff. I'm like, who needs who needs that in their life? That you can be like, oh, is there is there soda left in the refrigerator? Like, I know when I need soda, I go get it. I, I just it blows my mind. Now listen, it's, it's, I, I have a feeling that technology is gonna continue to pass us by the longer we continue living. <laughs> Luddite box heroes, Joe. Yes. So, Todd, did we have any art attacks? We did have art attacks, Joe. From Bloop Bloop Bridge, he said he uh, he got this sweet package from Sean Phillips swiftly in the mail from the UK. Uh, he said, Movie Stars is a reproduction of the single-issue Back Matter work and prints of the new criminal hardcover art. And, you know, it's, it's just this beautiful pieces that Sean Phillips does. You just... All that stuff. It's I guess it's like the stuff that would be in like the prose stuff in the back of the comics and stuff like that. But because right. I recognize some of it, but you know, you just can't go wrong with Sean Phillips. All of his stuff is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that's definitely a, a cool. You know, obviously the the coloring that he gets to use here to see these things kind of unfettered without any sort of words pun intended, uh, around them uh, really makes the stuff pop. And uh, David was nice enough to include a bunch of scans of the uh, cover and some of the interior there. So uh, don't print them out for your own. Actually, go buy that Sean Phillips uh, art book. Right, because he will swiftly mail it to you. Yes. And also, uh, Rebecca's Arts uh, said that they did a Christopher Priest Black Panther read recently. And Rebecca started working on this Mephisto versus the Black Panther. And I'm just looking at it, though. I'm wondering if that was Mephisto. Well, they read it recently. Uh, Blackheart, because I thought Blackheart was in the, the Black Panther thing. But it's been so long since I read the Christopher Priest run. But, you know, uh, the Mephisto that they have in the middle looks really nice. You can see where, you know, they're setting up Black Panther at the top with his uh, Panther cats attacking him. Looks looks really nice. And again, another one of these things where you see the process being built, of course. Mm-hmm. Um if I was aware that there's the, and I'm sure there is because there's channels for everything, where it shows people doing that stop, mo- uh, eh, the fast motion of their process of, you know, however long it actually takes them to draw it, distilling it down to like a five to ten minute video. Um, just very interesting to see where they started, I guess, with the mm-hmm. pencils and then where they kind of started with the inking. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not talented enough to do any sort of fancy art like this. So whenever I get to see someone's work like this in mid process, I'm always kind of fascinated of like the hows and the whys. 
I'm the same as a collector. I do like, like when I get to see, because a lot of artists don't do it when you commission them or get sketches to see, like, they'll be like, all right, how's this layout? You like it or you want me to change anything? And like, I love the steps along the way. And when they do that, I'm fascinated by it. So I'm with you. So I think that's all we got for the main part of the show before we get into discussion of this week's episode of The Boys. But, oh, Todd, I have to ask you, are you still in first place over on the uh, pigskin pickums for Longbox Heroes? I am tied for first. Oh, let me see who you're tied with. Don't tell me. I need to look at it myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not who you think it is. It's not you. It's not me. No. Not my alt account either. Nope. Oh, it's Hairstar. I know that person. Yes, you do. But uh, and it's funny because now the COVID's starting to creep into football, so we'll see where it goes, Joe. Oh boy, the, this this is the moment I was I've been waiting for, Todd. <laughs> right. For football to be ruined. You you mean you've been dreading this moment, right? Yes, dread, full of dread that my beloved football would somehow. Fall the same fate as every other sports that have tried to run during a pandemic. Well, uh, baseball runs ran smoothly. Hockey had no, uh, you know, I don't even think they had any outbreaks. Uh, uh, baseball canceled a couple of games. Basketball seemed to go fine, but football we've had one game canceled this weekend. It was I thought the it tight- was two. No, it, it, it there there was. Two games that were affected. One, they only the quarterback tested positive. So they just quarantined him and played without him. So that game happened and they moved it from Sunday to Monday night. So there was two Monday night games. I know you're fascinated. And then the other one was the Titans who had a major outbreak. Um, and they ended up not being able to play the filthy Steelers. So... Um, I'm pretty sure I, I know the Vikings were maybe considered uh, being affected, but they ended up playing, I think. I'm not 100% sure, though, on that. Yes. So maybe they, they were affected. I could have swore there were two games that were canceled, postponed this past weekend. But again, it's football. I don't follow it that closely. Right. If they have a couple more outbreaks, they won't be able to move the games around. Yeah. Because... You know, at some point you have to have all the games. I came up with a foolproof plan. If you're a team that has an outbreak and cancels the game, you just forfeit the game. The other team gets a win. Move on. You know what I mean? None of this makeup games. Like if you if you screw up and end up somebody on your team like broke protocols or however you got the infection into your team, it you, you just go okay, that's a win for the other team. Let you know week four here we come, week five here we come, or whatever. So, so here, how about this? Okay, I'll say we give you a mulligan. We'll give you. We'll give every team one. Okay, mm-hmm. but also at that point, and obviously it depends on how many people uh, test positive or how many people end up having to be quarantined. Because technically, you should be being quarantined for ten to fourteen days. So that technically could mean, unless there's like a bye week in there, that you, you're missing two games. Right? Technically, right? Right. So let's say now it's time for the practice squad to play today. Game's going on. You figure out who you have and you put them in uniforms and put them on the field. If you get crushed, so be it. Run right. a, uh, run your run your show a little bit better. Right. Basically, you can find people on the waiver wires to fill up a team. 
Yep, whatever the waiver wire is, you could do it. Right, uh, don't worry about that. But basically it would come down to be like Bumble football, but, you know, it would work. But I'm down with the fact of just you concede the game. That way you don't have people coming in, you know, you know, pulling hammies because they haven't played or practiced in, you know, months. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. You know, you got to be... You gotta be. I, I mean, I I know this is shocking, Joe. I'm not an athlete. I know I, I I look like one, but I don't know what somebody has to do to get up the speed. So, um, but I honestly think I think my my over under was seven games, and I stick by that mm-hmm. on whether you know if we make it past the seven games, we'll make it. But there's a lot. I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of money to be had. So I'm I'm thinking they're gonna figure out how to make it work. Well, I just saw that they announced that for the uh, as of this upcoming Friday, uh, in Pennsylvania at the very least, they can have fifteen percent capacity at outdoor sporting events, uh, mm-hmm. which would be a max capacity of seventy five hundred people just in time for the big Eagles Steelers game this weekend. Oh wow! Shocking timing, Joe. <laughs> Shocking oh timing. my goodness! I'd be a shame if something happened to the good people of Philadelphia and or the even better people of Pittsburgh. Two great fans that deserve each other, you know. Unrelated, the city of Illinois or the, the state of Illinois, specifically Chicago, has released a warning to their patrons not to travel out of the state this weekend for fear of spikes in the surrounding states. But everybody, enjoy your sports this weekend. I agree. I, I, Joe, I'm with you. I'm of the mind that we're playing these games and I'm having a blast with nobody watching them with nobody in the stands. I have no problem with that. There's no, there's no reason other than money to put people in those stands and the money that you're going to get is not worth putting 7,500 people in the stands. No. And the only people I legitimately feel bad for in all this, it's not the, 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 a lot of the athletes, because there's a lot of athletes making the base minimum who, you know, maybe are making $200,000, you know, a game or whatever. Like that's not a lot of money, but you're, you're, you're throwing, uh, that's a lot of money, but you're throwing a lot of wear and tear on your body. But I feel bad for the people who like have to work the concessions at these places and they don't have jobs. Like that's really the, the things, but it's not worth it. To put, you know, even 7,500 people in the fans with masks. I don't care. Just nobody. And we'll be okay. So. I certainly, I'll, again, listen, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen to these poor people. I heard it's going to be over soon anyway. So, was not yeah. it? Yeah. I heard that a lot. Anyway. Uh, enough of this nonsense. That's enough of a break. Let's get into discussion of the most recent episode of The Boys, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, typically, we talk about character to character on these sort of things, uh, you know, usually saving Homelander for last. However, mm-hmm. I think this episode would kind of lend itself uh, to be discussed kind of from beginning to end. Okay, however you want to do it. Especially the end. Right, which was, you know, nice, clean, easy episode leading into the, the finale. Yeah, and obviously, if you're listening to this, we're hoping that you've watched The Boys or you just enjoy us talking about the show. Uh, however, uh, spoilers, everyone. Lots and lots of spoilers going forward from this moment on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 
high time they're bringing a federal case against Vought, and they're trying to get their star witnesses around. And right now, the only star witness they have is Lamplighter. And it's up to Huey, he's still rec- who's still recovering from the big van accident last week, to keep an eye on uh, Lamplighter, while Lamplighter keeps an eye on a lot of things that we can't even discuss or allege to on this very program. Right, but I'm going to do it gently really quick. Did you see Kripke saying that he filmed all stuff for that? Yeah, I did. Okay, just wanted to know if you knew it, but anyway, we'll move on. Anyway, got to make money however you can during a a pandemic. (laughs) That's right. Oh, boy. Anywho, um, obviously that goes awry as Huey trying to turn off the filth. He sees a news story that uh, uh, Starlight got picked up, and she has been outed as a traitor against the Seven. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamplighter casually says, oh, well, if they got her, if she's still alive, she's going to be blah, blah, blah. Huey's like, all right, well, we got to go save her. And then they're off on a fool's errand while everyone else is on yet another fool's errand attempting to convince. And again, I'm going to apologize. Uh, his name is escaping me as we speak. Right. Um, he was Falcone in, uh, in Gotham. I can't think of, you know what I mean? Right, but he was the guy who was most recently behind the Compound V stuff, effectively uh, Homelander's father, quote-unquote. Right. The one who raised Homelander. Right, he's in the electronic wheelchair. Yeah, so they go to try to convince him, uh, they specifically being, um, and again, sometimes the names escape me, Uh, Mother's Milk goes, and... Victoria? Right, who's the head, of, I think, of the head of the FBI or CIA? Yes. So they go, they try to convince him to testify to bring down Vought. He refuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butcher does not go with them because he gets called away by his mother, who lies to him that his father has died. And then we get that scene between Billy and his father, which is very gut-wrenching, to say the least. Right, who's played by John Noble, right? I'm supposed to know who that is. He was in, he was on Fringe and he was in the, the, the Lord of the Rings movies and he was the voice of the demon on Legends of Tomorrow. Remember they end up going and getting John Noble to record yes. voice stuff. He's, he's an, like, I know, you'd know who he was in other stuff. You know what I mean? But. Okay. Yeah, so, it was an interesting scene between him and his father, which I think just kind of sort of was more important to find out what happened to Butcher's brother, who is the reason that they keep, he keeps Huey around because Huey reminds him of his brother. We find out that uh, maybe he uh, the, the the brother was you know f- pushed to suicide by being you know abused by his father. Right. The father seems like he was a very bad person. Right. And kind of shaped Billy into the person that he is today. Right. And that, of course, allows Billy to go to the doctor, whose name I forget. Right. To not be as subtle with his convincing of testify against Vought. Right, because Victoria and Mother's Milk, he's like, no, like doing the right thing is good sometimes, but I have family to protect. And uh, basically, like, Butcher's like, I'll do it. And in that moment... 
Butcher going to the house, getting the intercom, and they're like, oh, he's not seeing anybody. I know he's had a busy day, Butcher's saying, but he's got one more guest. And when they open up the gate and Butcher just drives straight in, forget the driveway and drives right across his lawn, immediately you're like, I had an idea how this was going to go, but that just that just is like a big tell. Just like doesn't even care. He's like, I'm doing this, and goes in and basically says, I'm I'm as bad as the bad guy sometimes. If you don't go testify, I will literally go in the kitchen and beat your daughter's brains in myself and then go find the rest of your family. So he, it's like, okay, maybe I will go and testify. Interesting scene. I like that. So we get the C plot, I guess, of the stuff going on with the Deep and A-Train in their mm-hmm. not Scientology, Scientology thing. Right. Of them getting closer and closer to being back into the Seven. And I guess some stuff is going on with the Eagle, who's the one who would help the Deep. And we get to see how quickly the Deep turns on Eagle, who helped him. And how A-Train is still, like, he's hanging in there because he wants to be part of the Seven again. But he's starting to see the cracks in whatever they've done to the Deep. Right. I don't know if we're going to get a full resolution of that storyline by next week's episode. I do not. I think that's the prologue for stuff going into Season 3 with the Scientology group. Yeah. Uh, So, I guess, Homelander Stormfront stuff, remind me again, what was the impetus for them going to Rebecca to see Homelander's son? Okay, basically, they were at the the rally, you know what I mean? The big rally. Yes. And Stormfront sees somebody holding a baby, and Stormfront goes, and Homelander's like, What's the matter? He's like, your daughter? He's like, yeah. She's like, it was like a blink of an eye. Now she's 80 and it's kind of sad. He goes, well, I could fix that. And they go visit uh, Rebecca and the son, who's Homelander's son. Basically, like, here, let me introduce you to my girlfriend's son. I'm sorry for what I did, blah, blah, blah. And in that, he's starting to put the wedge in between the kid and Rebecca and doing the whole, like, worst, worst, worst new girlfriend in the history of the world joke. So... There's the scene where Rebecca says to Homelander, can I speak to you outside for a moment? Mm -hmm. And I yelled at the TV, why are you leaving your son alone with that monster? Which you could leave him with either monster. It doesn't matter, right? Right. I would say. She's in such a bad spot. And it gets worse because they get the moment to corrupt. The kid and the kid turns on the mother. Right. Because like, and I don't want to, cause like, you know, uh, Homelander and Stormfront are terrible. They're bad, but there is a moment and, and it's, and it's, it's beautiful when they, when someone does this in, uh, with a villain where he tells the, he, he tells the Rebecca, you're lying to the kid. You're, you're lying. When he finds out it's going to be bad. Like, you know, that this is all fake. Like everything around him is fake. And she's like, well, it's better than being with you. But in the end, Homelander's right. It's like, you don't want to find out that your mother has, everything your mother has ever said to you has been a lie other than that she loves you. But Homelander's a terrible person for do like doing it the way he did. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like he, they make the villain right, but he's wrong in everything else that he does. And when he takes 
the kid away and she's be- like begging, but she can't fly Stormfront and them are gone. I'm like, I felt so horrible for Rebecca. Cause like you said, what could she do? She, she let's go outside and talk. It doesn't matter. She's, she's up against the wall, no matter what she chooses. So I'm with you. Now I will say, uh, we've said before, we have not read the boys comic book, so I'm not really sure where this is going to go. I feel as though this plot thread will be resolved by the end of this season. I, I maybe, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think, but I will say, I do want to watch some of the Homelanders movies, like uh, brightest night and darkest day, <laughs> which was fantastic. Like when they were running through the, the, the movie names, but yeah, I don't know if, uh, if this will be, I don't know what will be resolved by the end of the season. Cause there's so much that they're throwing out there now as we go. Right. So we get to Congress, we get to the trial. Everyone's oh, before- there. Everyone that can legally be there. The boys themselves, uh, they have starlight back. They were able to save her from Vought towers. Um, Oh, so again, right. we got a lot more to talk about. So they go to Vought towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamplighter still in the system. And as soon as they got onto the main floor where uh, the the seven do all their meetings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. with no other prompting, my wife just says, Lamplighter's going to kill himself. Really? And that was even before he saw the statue. Right, because there is a hint of like, what's he doing? Because there's no way that they would have the prison on the floor where they have their meat. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like you're like you're on the wrong floor. But I never thought he's gonna kill himself. You know? So he sees the statue of the seven, and he sees that they've taken him out of the statue. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, like, he talked earlier in the episode about how, even though when he discovered that he had powers as a child, he burned down their house. His father was proud of him because he had powers. And everything that he's been doing since this point has just to make his dad proud. He's no longer a superhero in his mind. So he just immolates himself, lights himself on fire. Right. So uh, they end up. So. uh, Okay. So they have Starlight at this point, right? Right. But not before they have to. In a scene that made me feel really well, Joe. Huey needed Lamplighter's hand to open stuff up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, that was right up my alley. That was the sort of visceral gore that I live for. Right. So they end up getting uh, Starlighter out, Joe. But then Black Noir shows up and starts kicking the ever-loving, you know, hack out of Starlight. But uh, uh, Brave Maeve shows up who has her own lasagna with a vegetable pride, which cracked me up to no end, um, steps in and beats Black Noir with an Almond Joy, which is a fantastic callback because he has a tree nut allergy. Um, (laughs) And Starlight wants him to go with them, but she's like, no, you go. Um, I'm staying, I'm staying, whatever, because she had a falling out with her girlfriend who found out about the plane crash, which is another great scene where she ends up going like, you know, like this, I, I just missed the real you. And she ends up flipping the table. And like, you're, right now you're seeing the real me. And I'm like, like everybody's life is falling apart at this moment, Joe. Everybody's life is falling apart. So, so speaking of falling apart, 
we get to the trial, as we mentioned. Their star witness is gone. And the doctor wheels himself in. They finally Billy convinced him. He's he's quite the smooth talker, that Billy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the, the boys are gonna watch it on TV, Joe. And everyone's at home. And then all of a sudden. Pop. 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 <laughs> pop. And no, that's not Todd and his kettle corn. <laughs> that's people's heads exploding. Mm-hmm. All the way back, like the once uh, FBI lady from earlier in the season. Oh, so everyone's freaking out. Everybody in the courtroom is freaking out. Everybody at home is freaking out. The C-SPAN cuts to we're experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> and I say no fooling. <laughs> Stormfront and Homelander seemed remarkably calm during all of this. Right. Is this a secret power of Stormfront that we're just learning now? I think that's a possibility, but I have a, like now. And once again, I'm going to say I didn't, you know, it's been a long time since I read the book, never finished it. So I don't know if this even happens in the book. I have a feeling it could be part Stormfront. I think it's a shrinking hero. Getting in people's heads and and popping, like growing and popping them and then going to somebody else's head. And that's whoever we heard buzzing in season one following the boys. Hmm. That's, I mean, I have nothing to, to just, it reminds me of like the way the Adam beat Dark Side in the Rock of Ages JLA storyline. That has something to do with that. You know what I mean? So obviously that makes sense in a world of superheroes. Mm-hmm. However, the quickness and frequency, one would assume that this person would also, in addition to be like needing to be a shrinking hero, would also somehow need to be like an invisible hero, or at the very least, like a super fast hero as well, to move around that courtroom, or at least the ability to fly or something. Right. Well, that's the buzzing sound. We heard his wings. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, Joe. I'm just making stuff up here on the fly, you know? So obviously this is going to be spin spun to be super terrorist. Right. But how is everyone going to get themselves out of this? This is very clearly bad for everyone. I don't know because now the point, because the, because everything up to this point twice, like have all for not the boys. You know what I mean? Like it's now they're just banging their heads against walls because, you know, they had a slight upper hand. Now they don't. So I I don't know where we go from here. If you know what I'm trying to say, I I have no clue. It's, it's good. And I'm just glad I'm, I'm not in on, in on anything. So. And I will, I will say this, uh, Todd, as a peek into my madness, I go, well, let's see what the uh, plot synopsis is for next week's episode. I don't want to know. You can read it all you want. Okay, I'm going to tell you the last sentence of the plot synopsis, Todd. Okay. It says, but things go very bad, very fast. Didn't we already just see that? (laughs) I'm just saying, Todd. That's the only reason I read that to you is because we just said that. Right. Right. So the only thing I have a question is because you you uh, may have saw. Did Ashley get taken out? No. Um. I. She definitely. I think no one of any consequence other than the doctor got his head popped. Okay. Because I did a very clear shot of like that 
woman who was like leading the charge against the soups right. that they were trying to like get her out, keep her down. She was safe. Right, she was like a congressman or a senator. Right, Ashley very clearly is shown like freaking out and like kind of like fumbling and stumbling, but we never see her head pop. And I think if we were led to believe that her head popped, we would see it. See, I thought there was a moment with somebody with our back to with their back to the camera, a fake shemp, if you will, Joe, just had their head explode and fell down. We it was implied like I. In a weird way, I was watching, it was like, we're supposed to be like, is Ashley all right or isn't she? And then next week, like, it'll be like Homelander and Stormfront just being like totally disrespectful over a headless body. And that's how we're going to find out that she's dead. But she's also on that third Walking Dead spinoff. So I'm wondering if now she's on that. Do you know what I mean? But with, like, you know where we in this day and age, she's not a major, major character. So she might be able to find the time to flip flop between each show. If that makes any sense. So I don't know. I'm like all up in the air on this. So we'll see next week. We certainly will. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I how was your, see uh, how it all wraps up. Right. And how was April other than the predicting lamp lighter? Was she have any, any good moments? She was very upset that Black Noir was kicking Starlighter's butt so much. Right. And I was trying to, I'm like, well, I go, he's got the jump on her. She just came out of that room that was like a power dampening room. So she may not be at her full power yet. And then she may have swore at me and said, that's no excuse. (laughs) Okay. But she really likes Starlighter. I believe it. And I think we're done with seeing Starlighter in her costume, by the way, Joe. Yeah, at least like the super hooker one, you know? I I don't even think she's gonna do the 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 more regal one. Right. I think she's team boys now, you know, full front. So I'm, I, I'm she, glad. She can't go back to Vought. I mean No, she's been outed, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. So with her being outed, this happening. Um, who knows what the status of Black Noir is? The Seven essentially is Homelander and Stormfront, and I guess the kid? Maybe? Right, but I have a feeling they'll try and hold it together and right. just, like, bring in, like, now maybe A-Train and the Deep will come back because it'll be like, you know, I know they've done some, well, Deep has done some horrible things, but we need all hands on deck for what just happened. You know what I mean? So right. like you could you could swing in a super terrorist, super villains, Joe, because you don't want to tick off Homelander. Um, just that like it's it's this. So maybe that is part of Stormfront slash Homelander's plan. You know what I mean? That we could build the we could build the seven that he wants. I don't know. We shall see. It's gonna be very interesting when we discuss the season finale next week, and then right. whatever we figure out to watch in between then and Mandalorian. Right. And I would also like to thank uh, the listener who emailed us and said that I that they definitely have an Amazon. I knew about the Amazon store, the Vought store that's on yeah. Amazon, but they definitely do. And I know your wife doesn't listen to this, that they do definitely have the Cuddle Buddy of Homelander, which will be available to ship in December. I showed so, it to her. She was uh, uh, rightfully repulsed. Oh, so she's not, I can't get it for her for Christmas now. You still can. Oh, Okay. I wanted to surprise her with the goodness, you know, like, 
Here's just a cuddle buddy Homelander, April, so you could just snuggle up with it and oh, watch boy. her just, you know, lose her mind in your living room. The the real rib on that would be is because my kid has a bunch of like stuffed animals on his bed. Mm-hmm. Is just like to put it in there amongst the stuffed animals and wait for her to find it. That works too. Like I it mean, doesn't matter if it's like days or weeks go by, but like the day she finds it, and you just hear her go, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> then I get an email or text from you uh-huh. <laughs> with very, you know, a very strongly worded message from April. Yes. But yeah, so all, all good right. around. Thanks everyone for listening to episode 523 Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying thanks for listening and we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.